In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. So, uh, hard to think of where to begin this week, um, but the question that I thought about uh, was like, Amy, do you have any thoughts or reactions to the phrase super soldier? Ooh. Um... I do. It's not good. Okay. I'm not even quite sure what it conjures up for me, but it sort of does conjure up and really like unrelated to this show. Like if I hadn't watched what we watched, I think my first thought would be um, children that were made into soldiers for mm-hmm. some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is what this show is kind is that of the def- about. That, right. But is that the definition of a super soldier? I don't really know, but that's what my mind conjures up for some reason. Um, yeah. And it's either, it's either that or that's part of it, or it's someone who's like, <laughs> it conjures up an image of someone who's like so dedicated to being a soldier mm. that they are a super soldier. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I'm not a huge fan of either of those. <laughs> For different reasons, I imagine. For Yeah, different reasons. Like, I understand being proud of what you do and being proud of being a soldier is not the same to me as like a super soldier. Correct, yeah. I because I feel you. like a super soldier, or in my mind what I'm thinking, is someone who's like, I don't know, like... <laughs> I don't know. I, anyway, it's not in a judgment of someone who is good at being a soldier, but yeah. it's more someone who's like a little enjoys being a soldier too much, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I think it's interesting that you've picked up on like the child soldier element of this, which is certainly what this TV show kind of is organized around as a foundational principle. But I think you're right that, like, in science fiction, broadly speaking, that is a a subgenre, is the notion of the, like, enhanced child soldier. But maybe not even only in science fiction. I think there is a a kind of... Oh, yeah, like, even in... um, like things like the Black Widow from the Marvel Universe. She is Mm. a super soldier, but she's not like 
superhuman per se. It's that she was taken as a child and trained to become this like super great assassin and spy, right? And, like, and yeah, and the thing about that is we like in in science fiction and particularly superhero type of genre, which is, I guess, you a subgenre of science fiction. I guess, Question I mean, mark? I've personally, I don't know if I've or said this on totally air, different. but um, I have specifically kind of decided that we're not going to do any superhero stuff Oh, I'm here. Good. I love that. Um, because. I don't, I don't need it. Because even though some of the time some superheroes become super because of a sci-fi reason, like. Yeah. being dropped into Spider-Man. a vat of something or or they are good scientists and so they make a, like a discovery and then that's a thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. To me, the sci-fi part of it is only ever kind of partially there in sure. most cases. That's, and that's fair. So I just, I'm like, we're not going to do superhero stuff on here. No, that's fine. And I was just about to kind of rail on superhero movies in general <laughs> because in I was going to say in that genre, we are very accepting of a very traumatic childhood. Yes, for like, sure. We're yeah. like, of course, of course this person um, was, I don't even, I can't, I, I don't even know it well enough to, to give an example. You just gave that Black Widow example. Like, yeah. you know, or like we're the, completely... One of the more famous ones is the origin story of Batman, Bruce Wayne, that, like, his parents were wealthy and they took him to see an opera or what have you. And then when they were walking on the city streets of Gotham... They got killed by a mugger, like a pair of muggers. That's right. Like, and he was there to see it and was traumatized by right. it. And then eventually becomes the vigilante known as right. the Batman. Yeah, really. It's really, if you if you dig into like the backstories of almost all superheroes. Yes. It is like tragic. Dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, so like, but anyway, to get back to what we were talking about. So there's like the child soldier motif that exists in a lot of places and and whether or not the children are enhanced is kind of immaterial like sometimes they are sometimes they aren't but then we also have the super soldier that is like the other strand of this is like and this also appears in various Marvel in particular does a lot of this. This is a, the origin story to a lot of their characters is like the person is an adult. They're serving in the armed forces and either by accident or by design, they end up in like a secret government program that is designed mm. to make super soldiers. Is there a definition of super soldier? Is there oh, that's like a, a good question? That, let, let me just have a little look see on the old interweb. Because I'm wondering now that you said Men in Black, like, would he be considered a super soldier? Like, I mean, or that not, type of. Maybe not in the traditional sense, but he does have elements of yeah. like this thing of like, you've got to kind of give up your previous life 
Um, yeah, you have to give everything over to this thing. Yeah, so according to the internet and specifically Wikipedia, um, <laughs> Super Soldier, uh, either spelled as one word or as two, is a fictional concept soldier often capable of operating beyond normal human limits or abilities, either mm. through genetic modification or cybernetic augmentation. Okay, so my original theory or thoughts really didn't have much to do with that. <laughs> Mine were based more in a darker reality than like yeah. having to do with like a genetic mutation of some sort. Yeah, but in this case, for this show, um, we have both the child soldier element as well as the genetic enhancement uh, yeah, and maybe that's why it was about. in my mind. Yeah. So with that being said, hello, everyone. Welcome to See You Next Week in Space. I am Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my sister and co-host Amy Walsh. And Amy, why don't you tell everyone what we're talking about this week? <sighs> we are talking about a series that I can only imagine not many people know of um, called Dark Angel. Not to be confused with Angel. Right. And not um, to be confused. So this Dark Angel is from 2000 to 2002. There is another Dark Angel. Oh. It's a TV miniseries, and it's British, uh, that came oh. out in 2016. So okay, so that not is that also either. something to be mindful of because I, uh, <laughs> like... Um, I similarly was like, oh, I really need to make sure that I don't let Amy know that there's actually a whole other thing called Dark Angel. <laughs> yeah, well, luckily... Which does seem luckily, interesting now that I'm looking at that. That apparently is about England's first female serial killer, which I would watch. Ooh, now see, I'd prefer to watch that <laughs> um, than this. Um, the specific episode we watched is called Pollo Loco which was season one, episode 16 from April of 2001. Correct. So before we dive into my reasons for selecting this show and my reasons for hoping that it would be better than it turned out, because there are multiple reasons why I thought that, <laughs> um, the description is as such. A group of genetically enhanced children escape from a lab project. Years later, we meet Max, one of the escapees, who now works for a messenger service in the post-apocalyptic Pacific Northwest. So Now, I would say based on that description alone, I understand um, why you thought this would be better. Because that sounds... <laughs> that sounds pretty that interesting. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, like, so first of all, when it says post-apocalyptic Pacific Northwest... This show is set in the year 2019. Um, oh, I didn't even know that. No, I didn't know that from this episode, and I'm not sure I would have known it from any episode, to be honest. But oh. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so the, pre the premise is interesting. Um, yeah. And, and to be fair, I'm not sure if the reason these children were enhanced, because I, unlike other things we've watched, I didn't really feel compelled to watch more of this. 
Um, That's fair. So I wasn't sure if the reason they were enhanced was specifically for a military reason or for some other reason. Just like research reasons. Um, Yeah, it's... I always... Whenever I see a storyline like this, I just kind of go to military usage as my presumption. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's so... It's what's interesting about the... You know, not to jump ahead, but the ineffectiveness of this show, I'll say. Right. um, Is that it is an interesting concept. And they somehow were able to make it thoroughly boring to watch. Yeah. Or at least maybe the episode I chose was wrong. Like, because the description even of the episode seemed kind of interesting. But then... But I, I, we'll talk about, yeah. like, specific actors and stuff, too. And I think sure. it was partially yeah. their was fault. A, no there offense. There was a weird energy happening. I yes. Yes. Um, yes. Or, or not happening, as the case. There was maybe. a weird... There was a weird, like, I don't really want to be here energy happening. And I was... And it was... It was... Um, what's the word? It was, like... I was getting that, too, from watching it. I was like, yeah. I don't want to be here, either. Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And see, so to me, what's really we, and I guess this we've talked about this many a time on this show, where the ingredients to this are very good, and yet, yeah, the outcome is bafflingly meh. Um, yeah, it's like when I cook things; <laughs> it's like all these ingredients <laughs> should work, but somehow it tastes like garbage. <laughs> Um, how come I had all these wonderful things and now the thing I made is brown and disgusting? (laughs) It's really not good. All those good ingredients put together made garbage. Yeah, because, yeah, like, so the premises sound unacceptable. And I think, like, again, because we've talked about this before, like, this was a show that was being made and shown in 2000 to 2002 they said it in 2019 so they don't go like so nuts into the future that it's like oh this is going to be yeah hard to swallow um the types of genetic enhancements are the sort of thing where you're like yeah maybe some secret government agency figured that out i guess around <laughs> now i guess i can Accept that. I guess I can, and even when I really kind of hope not, though. (laughs) No, I'd rather not. But like, and then even the post-apocalyptic nature of it, like the Seattle that, admittedly, we only barely see in this episode. But like, that's where they're. I definitely didn't. Is like Seattle area. Uh, see, I definitely didn't get the post-apocalyptic. Wow, I can't even say that post-apocalyptic feel. Right. I I like that in the description, but I don't think I I got that vibe from no. just watching this episode. And I and I feel as though because it's not so far ahead in the future, I'm like they're calling it post-apocalyptic, but I don't know how. Like. It's unclear to me what the apocalypse moment was and how devastating yeah. it was. Because I'm like, they all seem to still have cell phones. The internet still exists. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. really know. Like, the morgue still exists. Like, society is running. Right. Like, you know, and so I'm like. So it was just like a little, the apocalypse was just sort of a little blip. A blip of some kind. <laughs> Um, hmm. Actually, let me see Maybe if I can a little see. tiny apocalypse. Yeah, let me see if I can 
Because I've got the Wikipedia or maybe, page maybe for Dark the Angel. idea is maybe the idea is the apocalypse happened somewhere else, but it didn't hit the Pacific Northwest. Oh, here it so is. So they're okay. still okay. So according to the Wikipedia page about Dark Angel, what happens is that terrorists detonate an electromagnetic pulse in the atmosphere over the United States, which destroys the vast majority of computer and communication systems, throwing the country into chaos. And it's like, okay, that would that oh. would be chaotic. For That's not sure. an apocalypse, though. I would no, say. I wouldn't describe it as an apocalypse either. And then since the so that happens according to this lore, that happens in June of two thousand and nine, and then we're seeing ten oh, years wow. later. When oh wow. So what I would call that would be post catastrophic. Right. Like right. Like or something like that. The thing is is like uh, how would I say? I think if that were to happen, first of all, the fact that it only happens over the United States means that everybody else and their technology is, is fine. fine. So if yeah. that if that did in fact happen to us now, you would just be like Okay, so the next, like, six to 18 months are going to be kind of shit while we're, like, getting all of our cell phones and stuff back online. But... But also, couldn't they, like, you could, like, get somebody, like, the other countries to send some stuff. That's what I mean. It would take a while because you would need to, like, be like, okay, start amping up production of computers and smartphones and all. And and then similarly, like, well, I guess you would probably need to re... Uh, lay kind of like the Wi-Fi wires and all like that stuff, but you would just say to other countries like, "Hey, hey, we need your help. Can you start manufacturing this stuff?" And yeah. so it would take like a while, but it's a very it's a recoverable event. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it's it's not good. It's definitely again, I would say the word that comes to mind is catastrophic, but right. not. Apocalyptic. I don't want to be on planet Earth when the internet goes down because. No, me neither. The scream that would emit from the Earth could (laughs) be would be heard for light years. (laughs) The scream of boredom. The scream of boredom would just be like. Like I can't (laughs) post this photo of a cute cat being friends with a cute (laughs) bunny. Oh my god, that is that is actually apocalyptic. So I but, don't want to be there, um, but yeah. So like the world as depicted in this, yeah, I wouldn't it's say it's apocalyptic, but fine, okay. It's like yeah. slightly more um, rustic, I guess, than rustic. Well. That's it. Post rustic. <laughs> We're living in our rustic Seattle. <laughs> yeah, which I would say Seattle's pretty rustic anyway. But um, yeah, so. Anyway, so any like I said, like the the ideas here are good ideas, in part because this is a TV series that was uh, created and in some on some episodes, but this isn't until like season two, directed by James Cameron, of Titanic fame, of the Terminator hmm. fame, um, of Avatar fame, um, and he was inspired and influenced by Never heard of that one. Um, you've never heard of Avatar. Oh, it was a joke. I've never seen it. Oh, okay. Uh, 
that's fair. I only ever exclusively watch. I've not watched any of the subsequent avatars, but I watched the original avatar. How many other ones are there? Well, there's Way of Water, which just came out, and then there's going to be like nine or a million more or something. Um, Oh. For some reason, like, I... Not seeing Avatar is like a line in the sand for me. I get it. Like, I don't... I don't know why. I just like I didn't see it when it was like the big deal and now I'm like, I don't care. And I no. am not gonna waste the my only time. Reason the only reason I ever watch the original Avatar, which is long and boring and stupid, <laughs> um, <laughs> is because I put it on when I am on international flights and I put it's it long. I put it on after I've done my ritual bits of like have a wine at the airport bar. Have two wines with dinner in the airplane. Take a melatonin. Whoa. Whoa. Put on Avatar, and then you will sleep the rest of the flight. <laughs> because it's <laughs> because it's boring and because it's just, like, blue the whole time, so it's, like, kind of yeah. an even color, too. Yeah. I guess I could see that. Um, it works like a charm every time. I would rather... Here's what I'll say for, like, a long movie where I wanted to sleep. I would rather put on something like Harry Potter or something like that. Yeah, that's like a good that. one, too. But th- those ones... Well, now they're more available... On airline flights, but for a number of years, those were weirdly absent from a lot of like, mm. the entertainment options. That's fair. Um, mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings is another good series for um, that kind of I, thing. But yeah, it, I get that. Know. That those ones make me too mad. I don't like those ones either. Those are other ones. That's another series or genre that I'm proud I've never seen. Yeah, and the, I get it. Like that the, makes me the hateable. One, or whatever. The detraction from those movies for napping purposes, although it can be done, is that um, the battle scenes can be loud. And so they're they're disruptive. Yeah. Whereas, like, especially in Avatar, the first one, like, I think it's technically understood as an action movie, which I don't know why it would be, because nothing happens in it. Um... (laughs) But so like I thought it was that's just why the story for sleeping on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get that. I do get that. Um, but if you're gonna, it's like to me, it's like okay, I'm gonna spend bajillions of dollars on a movie, make it three hours, do all this stuff, and it's it's optimal viewing is gonna be to a, an asleep person. That's like <laughs> you've not done your job. I mean. <laughs> I don't think that's what James Cameron aspired to do when he made that film. <laughs> I think he thought he was doing something else. I know, else. but I'm just saying. But that's what, yeah, it's, well, that's what it's become he for effed me. Up. Yeah, um, yeah, I get it. So anyway, to return to James Cameron, the, <laughs> the source material or inspiration for this TV series was um, a Japanese manga called Battle Angel Alita. Um, which, in fact, James Cameron did make a movie of the same name and directly hmm. it, directly kind of about that source material in 2019. But he, for whatever reason, at the, t- at the turn of the 21st century, he was interested in doing some sort of kind of uh, spinoff from that, uh, a revision of that, in which Dark Angel was the outcome. 
Um, this is his <clears throat> only TV project, as far as I could tell, that he's ever done. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, I don't think that he he was bad at it necessarily. But um, what I did glean from looking around the internet is like, because he's a movie guy and a director and writer, um, most of their, especially in the first season, most of their episodes came in way over budget for what. Oh, I was going to say way too long. And I was like, he loves things that are long. (laughs) He does love things that are long. And I, and that's why I, I could see TV being a good medium for him because then you could tell a long story in small chunks. Um, but for whatever reason. Or he would make every episode long, but I guess you're right. Yeah. For whatever reason, he, he didn't, after this, he did not return to the small screen Go returning to his one TV jaunt in his career. Um, this particular show is considered to be part of the cyberpunk genre, subgenre of science fiction, and is also regularly referred to. And this is part of what led me to believe this was going to be more interesting than it turned out to be. Um, this was like regularly referred to as part of a wave of kind of like third wave feminist um, TV shows mm. like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Xena Warrior Princess, and La Femme Nikita, mm. um, all of which came out around the same time um, featuring and being, you know, the whole story is about a strong female protagonist uh, doing various ass-kicking things. Um <laughs> And so, uh-huh. you know, it's part, it, I guess it regularly gets referred to alongside these other shows. Um, Got it. I could see it in that. I can, I can. I and I that. think what's interesting, what I, so part of the reason I chose this show uh, was because I like Google, like, because I've been having trouble of late picking things that aren't terrible. I specifically mm-hmm. Googled, like, Top classic science fiction TV series. And I found a list that was made by Rolling Stone that I'm pretty sure I've gotten TV shows from in the past that have been okay. And so this was on there. And I looked around and I read these descriptions and I read these things and I was like, okay, that seems safe. Um, And particularly what I got from it was that the first season... Uh, and I kind of even remembered this. I was like, the first season was pretty well praised. People seemed to be excited about it. Um, and so I was like, okay, I think let's go for this. Like, let's give it a try. And then when I started looking to watch it, it was hard to find. And I don't necessarily yeah. want to make this jump but it does seem that when something is hard to find that is an indication mm-hmm. that maybe it ha- it isn't good or it ain't going to be good um, yeah and and i guess what i kind of am thinking about when and when i researched this more about how like the first season was quite like well received i was like thinking about it and i was like I guess, I wonder what it would have been like to watch this show in 2001, like this episode. Like, mm. would I have liked it better 
if I watched it on its original air date in April of 2001, then... I mean, I feel like you would. I like it now. Probably. Probably. I mean, you might not have been like, this is the best show ever. I love this. But, like... But I think, obviously... I, 22 years ago, even your, like, taste may not have been, like, fully evolved yet. <laughs> sure, but also I think this this sounds bad. There also just was less content. So... Absolutely. You, the, the bar was lower. Mm-hmm. So, like, yes, on the one hand, I would have been, young, like, in my early 20s, and so was Jessica Alba when she did this. So, like... I probably would have liked it in that sense. Um, yeah. But also, like, yeah, just what was coming out was just very different. And I did like Buffy the Vampire mm-hmm. Slayer and Xena, and I never actually watched La Femme Nikita, but I have I think that one was, like, a little too sexy. Well, that one That's was... That's how I view I'm that one. I'm pretty sure that one was, like, a straight spy thing. And oh, I, really? Even now, I don't always love a spy thing. So... Got that it. was probably You don't like just, Taken? No. <gasps> With Liam Neeson? That's a classic. I, I know that it is, and I know it exists, and I'm fine with that, but it's not for me, is what I'm saying. <laughs> so interesting. Okay. <laughs> um, turning to the cast, again, this was another reason why I thought this might be okay, but then I realized mm-hmm. I was wrong. Um, yep. The titular Dark Angel is... A character called Max Guevara, played by a 20-year-old Jessica Alba. Um, And again, because I was like looking into this, they auditioned thousands of young women for this role and felt like Jessica Alba was the one who gave them the best, which I find hard to believe. Well, what does that mean? Was is this her first thing? No, she no, she well, was like a so kid that's actor. The thing. Yeah, so she's she might not have been a kid kid actor, but she was definitely like a teen. No, but actor. like teen. Yeah, yeah. Because no, like, so her first what they, credit is Camp Nowhere in '94. Yeah, she has a few episodes of um, The Secret World of Alex Mack. She's in mm-hmm. Never Been Kissed. Yeah. And then I think this movie comes right around never been kissed time. So what they what they meant when they said what did the the, the executive said just like a bunch of people came and she was the best. That was what they said? Yeah. Okay, what they meant was she's hot. <laughs> and we chose her because of that. So, okay. This is cuz I wanted to keep this up because I knew I was going to want to refer to it. So, um, according to Wikipedia, more than a thousand young actresses were considered for this part. Whoa. Um, Cameron. Did they do was, like a cattle call for this show? <laughs> I guess he got audition tapes. Um, Whoa. And, well, no, because that, oh yeah, so, so James Cameron gets audition tapes when whoever is going through these first thousand or whatever, they narrowed it down to like, 30 people. And okay. she was one of those 30. And okay. when Cameron, this is a direct quote, he says that he wasn't impressed with her audition tape. Um, and then 
Yeah, he says she I'm didn't scared what he's going to say. She didn't present herself all that well, but there was something about the way she read the script that copped an attitude that I liked. And I don't know what that could have possibly been. Um, hmm. Because, like... She, Wait, I don't even get that quote. Like, she neither. didn't do well, but she had an attitude that I liked. Yes, she had an attitude that I liked, which I'm not even sure what that means. Um, but That makes me nervous. That makes me uncomfortable with what, like, well, the, and then, the subtext of that is. I mean, I don't want to assume anything negative, but, like, um, because I then, then the other show creator... Egley, what is his name? Charles Egley, I think. Um, he then he says once they had decided it was going to be Jessica Alba, they like kind of worked backward from that and took cues from I guess how her he says with her cadences and rhythms um, and her use of slang and stuff. So like I guess interesting. You know I guess because let's see I think Jessica Alba is like a. Like, she moved around a bit, but she was, like, primarily just a California girl. Um, okay. And so I guess they just liked the vibe of this, like, Latina California girl. And then they were like, okay, that we'll is, kind of, like, arrange around this. But the thing that's that weird. That is so interesting. The thing that's weird is, like, I didn't get much electricity or anything from her. Okay, here's here's what I will here's what I will say about her in this. Like I just as like overarching note. Yeah. <laughs> if you will. Jessica Alba, you're great. Love you. Whatever. But um she is beautiful to look at on the sure. screen. She is captivating in that way. Every word out of her mouth was uncaptivating. Yes. Like and, took away from from that beauty. Stupid most of the time. In a lot of, yeah, dumb. Anyway. And then and also like absolutely devoid of personality. Correct. Like yeah. She was, like I've seen her and I've seen her in other things where she like for example in Never Been Kissed, she plays a bitch, but she's like kind of funny and like right. stupid. Yeah. Like but in this, it was just literal monotone face dropped the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. I Whatever they were seeing in an, in an audition circumstance or rehearsals or whatever they were seeing. And again, I'm like, maybe in other episodes it was different. But in this one, maybe I was just like, I am getting nothing from this first. I was not understanding. Like, yeah, I was not understanding because it wasn't even just like uh, an attitude or like a tough girl vibe. Like I would get it if they, sure. if that's yeah. what it was. Like the strong if they were looking for like the type. edge. Yeah. Yeah. If, if like, oh, we want this edge because she's like part cat or <laughs> whatever it is. Like <laughs> she's um, part cat. <laughs> isn't that right? Isn't that what she is? Something like that? Uh, um, not exactly, like, but yes, I know what you, oh. you mean. <laughs> I thought that was okay. I don't get you're this confusing show. it like, with that other show we watched where they were like genetically spliced with animals. Uh, oh, I thought she. I thought at the beginning she said something about being like per cat or something. I mean, maybe, but maybe she I wasn't did. understanding the joke. Yeah. Anyway, I I would get it if they wanted her to be like this edgy, fiery, but she it was not that. It was no. just like boring. It was just yeah. like it really, devoid of personality. It like the. 
This was 50 minutes where, like... Yes. Of... I kept... Like, everyone seemed very intense. You could tell they were really trying to, like, capital A, capital I, act, act intense. Like... Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We were spelling different things. But it wasn't... It wasn't happening though. Like what it what mm-hmm. it came across to the viewer who is me was <laughs> a very leaden, dull performance for everyone. Yes. Like yes. Um, but it is weird because like so. So I see this thing, and then I look at Jessica Alba's credits, and I. And it actually made me sort of change. Like, I was like, oh, I always thought of Jessica Alba as, like, a celebrity, a movie star, whatever you want to say. And she had some moments. But, in fact, her career is pretty spotty. Um, yeah, and she's not really, like, in anything good. No. Like, she's Again, no no offense. Yeah. Like, I, well, because, like, and, after yeah. this show was honey which did you ever know about that i can i know about it i can picture the movie cover but i never saw it she's like a dancer in that yeah she's some kind of dancing sensation in that movie yeah um i mean so and and listen like i say she's never done anything good being someone who likes camp nowhere and never been kissed (laughs) i i but i've never seen camp uh, nowhere but i have seen it never been kissed and i like it so oh should I watch Camp, Camp Nowhere, Nowhere? Maybe. Well, it's. I mean, I like as a. I don't know if you would like it now. If you didn't watch it as a kid, it might just be mm. like weird now. Okay. I sure. liked it because there's like the nostalgia of watching it as a kid. Gotcha. But, but it's kind of fun because again, it's like watching a show. For, we're watching a movie from a kid perspective when you're an adult. It, it's a little bit fun to like. Sure. Anyway, maybe it's only fun to me because, again, I was a kid when I originally watched it. But, like, she was never, you know, her other contemporaries, other actors who, like, have her, not her look, but, like, even if we're talking about, let's say, like, Jessica Biel. Sure. Maybe. Um Jessica Beale has gone on to do some actually good stuff. Yeah, she's done some, like, actually good stuff and, like, pretty consistent throughout, I think. But, yeah, Jessica Alba, like, she is a sort of, like, a pretty household name for having quite a lackluster career. Yeah. 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 Um, But, like, yeah, because I know she also does, like, I think she's, like, got some sort of, like, probiotic company you know like some sort of wellness bullshit thing um (laughs) and yeah like so I was surprised because I was like oh Jessica Alba she's a person you know like and then when I got into looking at her uh when I got into looking at her career I was like oh this is different than what I imagined to be true um yeah and I guess what it I guess what I would say is like I I think what maybe happened is like she got well, this, she was in the Fantastic Four movies. Well, right, that's what I was about to say. So she gets this. Oh. she gets this TV show. Then she's in Honey. Then she's featured in Sin City. She's um, mm. Sue Storm or whatever in the Fantastic Four. 
So it kind of is like, what's the word I'm looking for? I think when you, I think in Hollywood, there's, they talk about this as having like steam, right? Like uh, a mm-hmm. bit of a like a momentum and people quite like you and you're kind of like the it person. And so it's like, oh, they did this and then there's this and then there's this. And mm-hmm. so she had this moment in the early 2000s yeah. where she was like the buzzy, steamy person who was like just like kind of inertia almost was like carrying her to the next and the next yeah. and the next thing. And you're right that she's like really beautiful and she's okay at acting. It's not as though she's like terrible at any of these things. Um, no. But she isn't really great either. And, you know, like some people and, and like, can And maybe ride. she hasn't been given the chance. I don't know. Sure. But some people can ride this moment of like, concentrated success in such a way and then yeah. like kind of turn it into like and now I have I don't know some other TV series that goes on for 10 years or whatever it is sure and she was not able to do it so you yeah. know I, th- I think that suggests that either she was not interested in trying to do that um or yeah. she people realized that like how would I say, like, this is, we are seeing her range here and it's just not very extensive, you know? Um, Yeah. So, and maybe even the kind of thing that I think can happen often too is like, she's just playing a version of herself in all of her things. And sometimes that works and makes a career, a long-term career. And other times it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're a really likable, beautiful woman. But, you know, there's only so many times you can play yourself before people get kind of bored <laughs> with seeing it. <laughs> like, totally. Because um, whereas the other guy in this, uh, the other main character in this episode is a character called Logan Kale, played by a 33-year-old Michael Weatherly who I was surprised, I didn't know he was in this show at all, and I do like this guy as an actor decently well. Um, and he is like the opposite of Jessica Alba. And that and that was the other thing when I was like looking at her career, I was like, oh man, she's like back and forth between kind of like crappy movies and like crappy TV. If she just picked one lane, she maybe also could have had better success but she kept going back and forth between things um whereas Michael Weatherly knew that seemingly knew that his thing was TV like and he was like I am just gonna be a TV star man which is what he is because um he played a long running character for a while Cooper Alden or Alden I guess um in a TV like a soap opera called Loving, which I never watched, but mm. existed. Mm-hmm. And then okay. he went on to be in NCIS for 13 years. Um, Woof. Yeah, because I know you like a criminal minds. NCIS, I was into for a while, I think for much the same reason you're into criminal minds. Um, where yeah, I mean, they're, they're like quite similar. Long, I mean... It's super long running. It's a crime procedural. Yeah. It's like, 
pretty formulaic and you just throw it on and you're like, great, this is great. It's just yep. washing over me. Um, so yep. he was in that for 13 years and then went on to be the central character. So then he finally like was the protagonist kind of like anchor character in Bull, which ran from 2016 to 2022. And I liked that one too. Like he does have the presence to be the protagonist of a long running series. Um, so I assume that if he wants to, he may can like another show featuring him will show up eventually. Um, and so, yeah, he seems to know to have known how to play it. And I would actually say that he's very similar to Jessica Alba in that whenever I see him, I feel like he's just playing a different version of himself. Um, but he's managed to like sell that in a way and like turn yeah. it into a successful TV career. Um, and then the only other character that we even sort of need to know is uh, the character's name is Ben, played by a 23-year-old Jensen Ackles, I guess is how you would pronounce that last name. Um, mm -hmm. He started out as a child model and actor um, and played the character Eric Brady on Days of Our Lives for three years from 97 to 2000. Um, mm -hmm. he eventually, this is, I, from what I gather, this is his introduction to the Dark Angel series, um, as a character, but he will eventually come back. Oh, really? Yeah, he comes back as a series regular later on in this show. Okay. Um, he was, I put this in for you because I know you're doing a Dawson's Creek rewatch. He was a character called CJ at one point. Yep, I definitely reckon... I definitely recognize him. I can't fully place which character that is, but I definitely recognized him. Yeah, and then finally, he, much like Michael Weatherly, opted into being a TV guy, and so he played the character of Dean Winchester on Supernatural from 2005 to 2020. So, um very long-standing TV career. And there was even, I think even the kid who plays the young version of him in this show is somebody else famous who's, like, gone on to do a bunch of TV. Um, so there's a lot of people here who go on to have really, I would describe as, like, big TV star-type careers. Um, and maybe if Jessica Alba had kind of decided that she was going to, do TV, maybe she could have done something like that. But um, here we are. That's all we need to know. Although there are other characters in the broader ensemble across the two seasons, for this episode, we only need to know those three people. So now first you might be saying, and I, I did find myself saying this after having watched it, why is this episode called Pollo Loco, Crazy Chicken? Um, and, and I, and I think I have an answer, but I'll wait, but like at, in a ham fisted sort of way, the episode begins by Max having found a live chicken somewhere in post pulse Seattle metro area. And 
she is planning to cook that chicken to eat. Um, and her roommate uh, is there. Her, I think in other episodes, her roommate gets more, like, does more stuff than she did in this episode. Um, but, like, her roommate is, like, grossed out that Max... Because, like, Max brings a live chicken in a cage and is like, I'm going to, this is our lunch. And Cindy, her roommate, is like, what now is that? Like, <laughs> um, and so then we get, like, a, a quick cut and it's later and Max is eating a chicken that she has, I guess, beheaded, what is it, like, taken off all the feathers roasted and eaten and that's the other thing is like she's talking about this as though the process of going from live chicken to roast chicken lunch is like at most 35 minutes minutes and I'm like no (laughs) there is no way um it went that quickly uh I mean I don't know how long it does take to like slaughter and prepare a chicken to be like edible I would I would but it takes me more than it takes me more than 35 minutes to like just to roast the chicken yeah like (laughs) yeah because I've done a roast chicken before like you know the full little body where you take out the stuff from the butt and then you put other stuff in the butt and like all that right Um, even a relatively small chicken takes approximately 60 minutes minimum to cook fully. And that yeah. doesn't and that's from a store where you're not taking off, you're not defeathering anything. <laughs> you know, it's still Right. Takes, the defeathering part I think is like would be quite time consuming, I imagine. Um but she's immediately, it's like, oh, well, I have a side chicken, and then cut to another scene, and she's, like, literally, like, licking her lips or her fingers, yeah. like, from eating the chicken. And so she, but then she gets a phone call from Logan that, like, she needs to go over to his place for, you know, reasons. So we <laughs> go reasons. over to Logan's place, and again, if this is, like, a kind of, post-computer and communication technology era, he's got all kinds mm-hmm. of computers and stuff in his house. And I'm just like, well, clearly the EM pulse didn't affect you for some reason. <laughs> um, and I'm pretty sure, though I wasn't... It, I feel like it didn't become obvious all the time. He was in a wheelchair in this, right? Oh, Ooh. Details like that I may not have caught because I was for sure. Uh, I had to watch this because it was like a link and not available anywhere. I watched it on an iPad. So oh, no. I was oh, not God. like, I mean, and it was better than like the last time I had to watch something from a link. I watched it on my like phone, which was like even more like, I don't oh, know what's happening. Right. That was um, terrible. <laughs> but so this like, I definitely like, um, Small things um, or details were not passing through me. So I don't know is the answer. I don't even know if he was in a wheelchair. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking at the Wikipedia page about it. It says that 
Logan is rendered a paraplegic. Um, so oh. yes, I get. I think he must have been in a okay. wheelchair. Um, though, I but didn't it's even not. That. It's not super apparent, but like I think that's right. So anyway, she shows okay. up at his apartment, and I guess because he's he's like this underground secret journalist or something, <laughs> and. I don't know what an underground secret journalist is. Even as I was saying, I was it, just I was about like, to say. I don't know what that. I was is. just about to say. I'm so curious what a secret journalist is. Um, yeah, because this is this is according again to Wikipedia. It says Logan Kale, comma an underground cyber journalist with the alias Eyes Only, comma attempts to recruit Max to help fight corruption in the post pulse world. Um, wait, so, so underground cyber journalist, Correct. does that mean he just writes like listicles online? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> Is he just like a BuzzFeed writer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Um, yeah. So I think because there is some sort of uh, intrigue here, I think what it would be is like, he doesn't write listicles except maybe on Sundays, but like he <laughs> will, he's like an investigative, in, oh God, investigative journalist. Mm-hmm. And the way he gets his investigative stories out is through whatever remains of the internet. And okay. he, and he uses the alias eyes only because he doesn't, because he's writing about corruption and dastardly deeds, he doesn't want sure. the people he's exposing to know who he is. Sure. So that's what I mean, I guess, by a secret underground journalist. <laughs> I love that. This is, I mean, it goes back to one of our other, like, overarching check-in times in this uh, podcast where it's like people in Hollywood know the words that apply to jobs but they don't know what the job is and so they're like let's just make it our own thing this this is what this is yeah like and if you add a bunch of words in front of it like secret underground then you can be like well that's what it means right he's not just a regular journalist it's secret underground like this guy is a secret underground accountant what about that and you're like right what is (laughs) a secret underground accountant what um, so I guess... It actually sounds more interesting than being a regular accountant, though. Well, it, it would have to be. Anything would have to be. But, um, <laughs> in this case, it seems to be that, like, because Logan is this secret underground journalist, he gets access to a variety of different information, such that the reason he calls Max to come over to his house is because earlier that day, a body showed up at the morgue with a barcode tattooed on the back of its neck. And we don't really know this from this episode, but Max also has a barcode on the back of her neck because she's this escaped child-enhanced soldier person. You know what's so interesting about that? Not to, like, interject about the most boring things, but, like, that would be, like, I feel like the barcode tattoos and stuff have, 
are used in other sci-fi things, they other are. like creepy yes, things. For sure. The problem is in like today nowadays, people actually do have barcode tattoos as like just a funsy thing. Right. <laughs> like as a joke. I don't know how it's a joke. You know, it's one of those things where I'm like, or I don't get how this is funny, but I it, Or it might not cares. be a joke, like, but it's more like yeah, it might not be a joke. It might even be like, oh, I got, I got, uh, like the barcode and like the numbers on it are like my birthday, or like right, right, the right, numbers. Right. Yeah. It, it means something different. Where it's not even a joke per se. It's just like it has some symbol barcode. symbolic meaning yeah, for some, them in some yeah. capacity, right? Yeah. Um. No, it's a weird thing in general. I mean, well, we don't need to get too far down this road because I know you're a tattoo uh, aficionado and I have none. And so for me in general, just tattoos are like a bit of a like, why do you do that? Silly. Um, not, <laughs> not silly, but I, like, I'm like, what's the reason? And sometimes, like especially you would know this probably more than me, like especially once you've had more than one tattoo – and and someone like me says like what's the reason you're like I just like wanted another one and there then, isn't a reason and then I thought a star would be cool you know like and it's like oh that totally that's like not a to me that's not a reason but okay fine totally um yeah so anyway they find this body with barcode tattoo on the back of its neck since Max has that same type of tattoo they presume that the body might be one of these other escaped children from this like weird program mm-hmm. that she was a part of and so then she has mm-hmm. a flashback to her childhood and basically the p- purpose of that specific flashback is to just establish who the different kids are that we're going to be seeing later when she does more flashbacks um mm-hmm. then she goes to the morgue to check out what is going on with this body and then she realizes like i guess what she was imagining might happen is she thought she was going to recognize the dead body because she Mm. thought it would be one of her compatriots, but it's somebody else entirely. Um, Okay. And so then she asks the pathologist about the body. The pathologist was someone I also recognized. It's an actress named uh, Reka Sharma, um, Mm -hmm. who probably would be mostly recognizable from two other sci-fi properties, Battlestar Galactica and Star Trek Discovery. Um, hmm. This seemed to be one of her kind of early roles was on this uh, as this okay. coroner person. Um, and basically what we learn is that whoever killed this person was extremely strong and pulled out all the teeth of the person. That's that got gross. Killed. I wouldn't want, like... Uh, there's many things. Wait, pre or post mortem? Unclear. They did not t- say. Um, and pre mortem, that is like oh, that's, that's torture. That, that is, is insane torture. torture. Yeah, yeah, um, that's crazy. I don't, I don't want part one. I don't want to be killed by a murderer. But if it should, <laughs> okay. If okay. It should, that's fair. If it should transpire, this is the part two. If it should mm-hmm. transpire okay. that I am killed by a murderer for whatever reason, mm-hmm. I really want him because 
chances are it will be a him. Um, yeah. I want him to like either this is now 2A. 2A <laughs> is I don't want him to mutilate my body or do anything weird to it. Sure. 2B is if he must mutilate my body and do anything weird to it. God. Then I really oh. want it to be after I'm dead. Oh, 100%. So, like, and the teeth pulling out thing for me, I'm like, please let that person be dead before that happened. Oh, my God, please. And also, like, my my question in all of that, that's all well and good. But, like, what if you were killed not by a murderer? Because you said over right. and over you don't want to be killed by a murderer. Correct, But yes. what if you were killed by someone who was not a murderer? Well, if they're killing me, then by definition, they're a murderer. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, know. Um, I was just being... But um, I know what you mean, because I, I guess even as I was saying it, I was distinguishing, because, like, what if I'm killed in a car accident? What if I'm killed yeah. by, like, a bad, a malpracticing doctor? Like, there are other ways to be killed. Sure. That I, I guess I would describe as being not by a murderer, per se. <laughs> but Fair, Yeah. Um, so as Max is taking all this information in, she seems to, this, like, this teeth thing seems to ring some sort of bell with her, but it's hard to even know because per what we've been saying about the vibe coming off Jessica Alba in this moment, I'm not sure how I got the impression that she recognized this method because her face doesn't really have a lot of emotion in it at any time. So I'm not really sure if it was more like, maybe it was the soundtrack that was happening while we were looking at her face. I'm not sure, but she she seems to have- Her face was, her face was dead. Often, like, often. You, could, you couldn't read what she was thinking, like ever. Yeah, like even in that opening scene where it's her and her girlfriend slash roommate, and I don't mean girlfriend, like romantic girlfriend, but like, hey, girlfriend, girlfriend. Oh, for a second I was like, um, wait a second. Because I do I think really that... I didn't ca- pick up on that. Because that character is a lesbian in the show. Um, See, I didn't... I don't remember that character very well. No, you don't need to because she doesn't appear again. But like, they were trying to have okay. what I would describe as like snappy banter. You know, <laughs> like she was like, hey, girl, you know how I do. I brought this chicken and... The other lady right, is right, like, right. I guess I know that's how you do Like, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, so like she's delivering everything in the same kind of fashion. Um, so she disappears. Meanwhile, like she does the old, like the morgue attendant like turns around. And when she turns back, Jessica Alva's gone. Um, mm-hmm. Who busts in the doorway. But this other guy who again is like, a character we would know better if we were watching more of the show. His name is Lidecker. Um, he's played by an actor named John Savage, who I recognized immediately and then thought he was in something that I would have seen. And he was, but he's one of those people who seems to be like a small thing in everything. Um, and mm, has yeah. and has been that since like the mid to late 70s. Um, like he was in The Deer mm. Hunter... That's probably the thing that I would describe as the most famous thing he's ever been in. Um, But he's been in, like, a bunch of TV, a bunch of movies. He has 231 credits um, at the moment. And 
12 things that are upcoming that he's a part of. So he just is constantly working. Yeah. Um, But in this show, he plays this Lidecker character who's some sort of a, you know, like black boot goon kind of man. Um, And he, he has come to take this body because it's relevant to this like secret program of which Max is a part. Um, this is mm-hmm. all just the cold open. And the reason perhaps I can say we're going to spend a long time on the cold open is because then basically nothing happens. Um, <laughs> like, and that's another one that's wild because like sometimes when a movie or show that we talk about for this podcast is long, it's because a lot of stuff is happening. Sometimes a movie yeah. is, sometimes a thing is long and a lot of stuff is happening, but not a lot of talking is happening. That's sometimes a thing. Mm-hmm. This is like, there's a fair bit of talking and there's a fair bit of stuff that seems to be happening. But in, at the, like when I was putting the it outline together, I was like, nothing happened. This whole show, <laughs> nothing happened. Like... So I guess because the court, so Max gets some information about the, the crime scene of where this body was found. It's out in the woods. She goes out into the woods and she finds a pendant. The pendant has an image of the BVM. Do you know who I mean when I say the BVM? Of course. Who? The Blessed Virgin Mary. Wow, I didn't know you were going to get that. I wondered. Really? Yeah. How do you oh, know yeah. BVM? How do we both know BVM? Um, I thought that's what mom referred to her as. Oh, maybe. <laughs> or it's maybe, or or it's from something. I, you know what I think? I don't know. You know what I think it's from is... Is it not from Nonsense? I think it is from Nonsense. Yeah, that's what I, that, I was sort of. I feel like that's where I get a lot of my religious. <laughs> it's uh, from my the religious from the third tier tidbits. musical nonsense. <laughs> I love that show. Actually, it is really funny. I recently was trying to figure out if it was like one of those things where like um like I was I was like, could I watch it somewhere in Melbourne? Like, would they be doing it I, somewhere? Oh. Like. That I oh, could go and watch like it. actually, like live. Oh, yeah. But it's so yeah. good with Rue McClanahan specifically. Oh, wait. As, oh, okay. As the yeah, 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 yeah. Reverend Mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe I can. I love that. I version. wonder if I can find that. Anyway. Um, I bet you you can because I feel like I've watched it recently. I'm yeah, because, oh, because don't they do a segment <laughs> called Baking with the BVM or something? Maybe. Maybe it's something like that. <laughs> Um, so anyway, just get ready, everyone. We're just going to be saying BVM now for the rest of the episode. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. That's a real, that's true. This has, tr- this, there's this weirdly religious element to this particular episode, which is, I hope doesn't continue throughout the entire series because it's weird. But so she sees this pendant with a BVM, which causes her to have another flashback The flashback is to when she and her other enhanced children are, like, held in this place. I mean, I don't really, like, orphanage for sad kids or whatever it is. Um, As opposed to an orphanage for those happy kids? 
Some orphans probably that are, are happy. Orphaned. Like, that's what Annie's all really? about, isn't it? Uh, well, she's happy once she gets her rich dad, I guess. I, I would be happy about that as well. She's pretty sad. Um, well, in this case, not only are these kids in the sad kid orphanage where they're being experimented <laughs> upon, they also only ever exclusively wear brown sacks as clothing. Um, yeah. So, and they all have shaved heads. And they have their heads shaved? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, like, um, cultish. It's like a concentration camp. Yeah. There's yeah, a very weird vibe coming from this. And so, one of the kids is having a seizure, and the others are, like, trying to hide it because it's, like, if this kid has a seizure, then they're going to, like, dispose of this kid or whatever, I guess. And mm-hmm. a kindly black janitor comes oh in God. and he gives the kid who's having a seizure like um I guess it's like a prayer card or something with a with a picture yeah. of the BVM on it. And so then <laughs> so then we're back in the present. And honestly like this I didn't know what was happening in this bit. So like she has the flashback then we're back in the woods but now it's night and there are two men tramping around the woods. One has a crossbow crossbow guy tries to shoot at the other guy but the other guy is like so he's this is how we learn he's an enhanced person like max is he catches the the arrow before it hits him and then uses the arrow to kill another guy um Mm -hmm. so then cut back to logan's apartment logan alerts Max that now another body with a barcode has shown up at the morgue and she reveals to Logan that neither body has been what she keeps calling her brother a a person called Ben um Ben we then infer is one of the featured children in the flashbacks they're all part of a generation of enhanced child soldiers known as the X-Fives. Um, that, that is not super relevant to us in this particular episode, but I'm saying it. Um, and she does not share this with Logan, but she has started to think that perhaps Ben is the one who is killing these people, um, mm-hmm. and she's not entirely sure why. So... She heads to the local Catholic church. I'm not, again, I'm not sure why she, like, maybe there's only one church left in town Mm -hmm. from the apocalypse. Um, Although you would think in the post-apocalyptic age there'd be a lot of churches. I feel like that would be the response, but I don't know. Well, because it's not an apocalypse. Well, right, it's just like, turn off the internet. That's what happened. Yeah. It turns off the internet. Um, Basically. What it would have shut down by that point is a lot of, like, stuff that's important, like banking and um, air flight but there, Was there even online? And that well, sort that of Well, that is thing. more important. Um, and, yeah. I mean, that it, stuff is, uh, that's where I could see them calling it more apocalyptic is, like, you shut down that type of communication but yeah. like the people's internet <laughs> the people's not really. internet. no it wasn't <laughs> like if if 
what you lost in 2009 was your MySpace page and right. your like Tumblr page and stuff like right. Um, I think the world would have soldiered on without those things. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it, this is a world that is strange. Is all I can. It's a weird say. concept. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Max heads to the one Catholic church, which she seems to know about. She's looking around. She sees, as you would expect to in a church, um, a BVM statue, which triggers a <laughs> flashback. And the flashback is that now the children who are, you know, like living in this sad kid orphanage and have this BVM prayer card have now um, effectively created their own weird religion around the prayer card without knowing anything mm. about Catholicism, which is an intriguing... That is weird. Yeah, so, in, so what they call the BVM is the Blue Lady... And I kind of like that. For whatever, yeah, that's, I accept it as a replacement descriptor. Um, <laughs> the thing that I think is weird about this is like, for whatever reason, in this flashback, all the kids have removed one of their own teeth from their mouth uh. to like place as an offering to the blue lady slash BVM. And so. I don't know why they would have come up with that as like a thing for them to do to themselves, but they did. So that's yeah. that's why Max already knew that it had to be someone that she grew up with who was doing these killings because of the teeth thing. Weird. Yeah. So back in the presence in the church, Max goes up to this BVM statue and finds like a, I think it's like a handkerchief just full of bloody teeth. At the feet Yuck. of the BVM. And so she's like, this is where the person who I suspect is doing the killing keeps coming back to. So I'm going to wait here. And then she waits for the next 24 hours plus sitting in the same seat in a pew in the church the whole time. That's, like, next-level creepy. Yeah, because then the priest comes up to her on day two and is like, I noticed you've been here for a long time. <laughs> and she's like, is there any... That is so scary. Yeah. And, and, like, that's the thing, right? Like, and they don't do... They show, like, a little montage of time passing, but it certainly doesn't suggest that it's been a whole day from whatever they show. But, like, she literally just sits there staring into space. She do, They don't show her, like... I mean, that's serial killer behavior. Yeah, they don't show her, like, getting bored or walking around or, like, <laughs> I'm going to read one of these Bibles or, like, prayer books that's on, the, you know, like, the back of the pew has those, like, little books there that you can use, like, that have the hymns and mm -hmm. stuff in them. She doesn't even pick up one of those and like rifle through it even once. Like, and I'm, yeah, it, it's. No, that's. It's psychopathic. Fucking like. scary to be like, so I see you've been here a while. <laughs> and she says something like, oh, I didn't know that I needed an invitation or some such thing. And then I was also sitting thinking, like, 
I think even churches close for the night. Like, you can't just yeah, of course. hang out in there overnight. No, because you know what happens? Of course you cannot. Because you know what happens if they leave churches open like that? People start to live in them. Yeah, people stay over and, overnight, which they don't want them to do. <laughs> well, and, and and not just in this, her creepy way, but, like, people who do not have homes start Correct. to live there. Yes. And, like, the, that is what they try to avoid. Right. So, anyway. Although uh, they should technically open churches for that, but that's another story. Technically, a church shouldn't have a lock on the door, but, you know, the world is an imperfect place. Technically. <laughs> um, so she continues to sit in this church for an indefinite amount of time. And then she notices that there's a guy walking toward the BVM statue. She confronts him and then realizes that it's her brother, Ben. But as you can see in my outline, I'm like, but didn't she already suspect or know this from all of these flashbacks? Like... Um, unclear when they have this like kind of face to face he ultimately runs away um, she leaves the church after some amount of time he comes back to the church where he um, semi participates in a confession where he tells <laughs> Per what I, we were just talking about, he tells the priest that he's um, a killer, that he has killed various people because he's had to, and it's how he was trained. And the priest is kind of trying to tell him, like, well, you know, killing in the context of being a soldier or other things isn't really the same as, you know, being a murderer per se. Um... To which Ben reacts by punching through the, like, confession grate between them. <laughs> Yikes. To attack the priest. And then bring said priest to some remote... I was calling it a barn, but I really don't know that it was. It was just, like, some place far away. And he's, like, telling the priest that he wants to stop killing, but only the priest can, like, help him do that. And, like, um, the priest is like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know how I could be the one to stop you from doing this. Um, mm -hmm. There's a bit of an altercation between them where at one point the priest is holding the gun at, like, aiming at Ben, but Ben is like, you're not actually going to fire that, which he doesn't. Um, he manages to subdue the priest to put to start t tattooing a barcode on the back of the priest's neck. Meanwhile, yes. back at the church. Can you imagine tattooing somebody against their will? Sorry, not to go back to the tattoo I think thing, it would be bad. Like, horrible. Horrible. <laughs> because, again, as somebody with tattoos who made that choice willingly, it's kind of like... Painful? It's un it's uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah, it's uncomfortable. And if you didn't want to be there, and you weren't making the choice to get that on your body, I feel like it would probably hurt even more in a strange probably. way. And 
Yeah, anyway, that that sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah, so he's trying to put this tattoo on by force, which he, like, according to this show, he's done at least twice before with success, which is kind of wild. Crazy. Meanwhile, Max shows up back at the church to learn about the priest's kidnapping. She Then we get a scene that doesn't really matter to this episode, but I think does matter to the overall story arc of the season and maybe of the show as a whole, where Lidecker and a character known as Madame X or Dr. Elizabeth Renfro, played by super famous uh, Star Trek DS9 uh, actress Nana Visitor, um, basically what we learn from this is that Manticore, which is the government program that Max and Ben were a part of, is trying to recapture the various genetic mutants or super soldiers or whatever you want to call them. They're trying to recapture Mm -hmm. them. Um, And particularly the fact that one of them seems to have turned into a serial killer is a problem for them. Yeah, it's not great. Meanwhile, because it's Seattle, then we end up at the Space Needle, which... (laughs) Doing uh, a little... Just doing a little light tourism. Yeah. uh, Which the inside of the Space Needle, um, like the Space Needle is defunct now. And I think there's some suggestion that... Really? Well, oh, in, in the, the show. show. Not in not, no, not in real life. Like, in the show. I was like, oh my God, this is brand new information. <laughs> no, in the show, it's defunct and, like, abandoned. Yeah. And I think that it's meant to imply, like, both Ben and Max can get up there. And I think they, like, literally, like, climb up the side to get there. Yeah, now I'm having a memory of that. Yeah, because they're also sometimes standing on the roof of it and, like, all this oh, yeah. stuff. So they have their opportunity for a face-to-face again. And she's like, where did you take that priest? You've got to give him back. Ben says, no, I've been doing all this killing because that's what we've both been trained to do. You need to, like, you've been, what is, how would I say it? He accuses her of, like, repressing her true nature and that her true mm. nature is to kill. We get another, and the reason he says this is like, you surely remember the day we learned that we were killers. And they have a flashback to this group of children literally like tearing an adult man from limb to limb. Um, okay, now I have a question. You okay. have a word written down here in quotes, and they said this word multiple times. And as I mentioned before, I was paying sort of little attention. Yeah. <laughs> but I but I did notice this word they kept saying and it was driving me bananas. Yes. They kept they kept saying anomaly. Correct. Not anomaly. No. Definitely but not. But just anomaly. Yes. Well, I and I didn't know what that what meant. So I can't speak. I thought they were mispronouncing anomaly. Right. Well, they were in a sense because, how would I say? Like, so, I think what the broader story arc of the show was trying to do, or maybe did do, but I've not seen other episodes, is that 
Max and Ben and the other children of the X5 generation of enhanced human beings were mm. just the latest set of text, test subjects. And they had earlier attempts with different people. And the earlier attempts resulted in unusual changes in some of the test subjects. And I okay. think what we're trying... So, anomalies, right? People... Yes, yes. People who were a part of these previous generations, like version X, X2, X3, X4, right? Mm-hmm. People in those previous generations who did not do well, the adults in this weird compound of which the kids were in the sad orphanage component, the adults would refer to those people turning out incorrectly as anomalies or an anomaly okay. or whatever. Right. I think the fact that they keep using the word anomaly is because is to show us that it was kids hearing the word and not oh. understanding what it was. Okay. And so it sounded very weird for adults to be saying yeah. it that way. And so <laughs> even though even though Ben and Max are now like 19 or 20 years old yeah they still okay. think of these things as anomalies because they've also run away from the system so they've they've not been okay. corrected i guess to be told okay, like that's okay. not what that is okay, so got it so they keep saying you're acting like anomaly this is anomaly you know and it's even weirder okay. because it's like the to say anomaly like a space N-O-M-A-L-Y, anomaly, still sounds like you're saying the word anomaly correctly. Right, (laughs) right. um, It it was weird. When you should be saying an anomaly, like, anyway, it was was a very weird choice. Whoever was writing that bit, whoever made that choice, it's a weird one. Yeah, and they should have just uh, scrapped it because it was... Yes, it was way too confusing. Yeah, it it didn't come across like what you just explained makes sense, but I, I it did not read. <laughs> no, 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 no. So so then Max goes on to ask Ben like why he's been killing these people, why has he been putting barcodes on their neck? Um and then I can't remember now because like yeah, this was just done like no one had any chemistry or charisma or energy behind anything they were saying so I'm not sure if it's him that says it or her but one of them kind of tries to feign an epiphany moment where they're like (laughs) oh the reason I put the tattoos on the people I kill is because actually I'm killing myself symbolically because I hate myself you know like um which Okay, I guess. That's not going to stand up in court, my friend. No, it isn't. It's not an excuse. <laughs> it's just an explanation, I guess is yeah. what I'd say. Um, now, Max thinks when he, like, reveals this to her, um, that this is proof in itself that he is anomaly. <laughs> uh, that he is having some kind of a problem. Mm-hmm. I don't know that she necessarily thinks it can't be fixed, but something is going wrong. So she's like, help me mm-hmm. find the priest. That will like be the start of fixing whatever is going wrong with you. 
So he takes her back to the weird warehouse or barn or whatever it is where he's kept this priest. But this is just to lull Max into a sense of security because then he throws her into some kind of room. Which I don't even know why he does this because they have the same level of strength. So she immediately like busts out of the room um, that he puts her in. And... Mm. Now, but how? Nonetheless, he Ben has been able to run away or abscond in some fashion with the priest. Max is left on her own, and then the goons, Lidecker's goons, are also on their way because Logan has called them because he's worried about Max. We end up back in the woods where Max finds Ben <laughs> and the priest where Max and Ben fight each other because they are both enhanced human beings. The fight is terribly well-matched, except for eventually Max (coughs) does this, like, really intense... I didn't like it. She, like, kicks (laughs) Ben's shin, and then it, it snaps. So he ends up on the ground. Yikes. Yeah, it's really yuck. Um, so she at least kind of neutralizes him, protects the priest, and then she, they're in the woods together. They're having some sort of, like, final moment. And then she hears Lidecker's men, like, arriving, like, coming to f- descend on their location. And so... Mm-hmm. First of all, Max doesn't want to be found by these guys, but she also doesn't want, like, Ben to end up back at Manticore, which is where they would take him uh, because he's anomaly. So, I know. So, she snaps his neck so that he'll die and then, I guess, won't be able to help Manticore and won't be suffering anymore. And then she, like, absconds, like, disappears into the woods before Lidecker and his men can find her. Um, And that's basically the end of the show. There's, like, a couple other things that happen. Like, there's a weird, like, there's a scene where, like, Max and the priest are talking in the church, and that's kind of, like, it. It's, like, show over. Um, So that's what I mean. Like, that that was a 50-minute show... Where and nothing got, and I don't feel anything got like what was, what did we learn? What got resolved? What was like, what plot was sort of furthered? I don't, not that I know the rest of this show to know, but I don't feel like anything. No, it like genuinely, it seemed like it was like, oh, I guess what we learned is that one of the child's now young adult escapees became a serial killer, and so that's I guess intriguing. And, <laughs> and I'd rather follow his story, to be perfectly well, honest. Well, and that's the like, thing, uh, is like, and I think they must have realized this after the fact, because then that actor came back as a clone of himself. Um, oh, God. <laughs> but, like, because I've seen this, executed better in other shows similar to this where you know mm. maybe it's a child soldier situation or some like we're all we were all part of a secret government training 
something something. Sure. And one of us went rogue and then they became a crime mm-hmm. guy. And it doesn't necessarily right. even need to be killer. It can be just some kind of crime guy went on, you know. Yeah. And that's making it and now that this person is going on some sort of a rampage, it's making us too visible. Like so we need to do something yeah. about that. So it is a cool and probably it would have been a good story point to plot point to be like so we know that 12 kids escaped from this secret sad guy orphanage and now they're young adults and our story is focusing on Max who has if maybe not a heart of gold but like seems to be a mostly good skewing character I would not say heart of gold no she is not I would be like, does she have a heart of any a heart. Kind, kind? Yeah, like, she seems very one very note. cold. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's an interesting idea to be like, okay, so here's our main character. We're familiar with our main character. We know what she's about. What if there is somebody from that same cohort of secret kids or whatever it is? What if one of them goes bad or goes rogue yeah. or does whatever? That is genuinely yeah. an interesting thing you can add to your story. But sure. the, the what they should have done here, they made it too fast. They shouldn't have caught him and killed him all in the same episode. Like, right. Um, right. Uh, I, but, but then, like you said, because it's sci-fi, they can be like, well, let's undo that. We right. got a clone. Bring him in. <laughs> They figured out in the end that that was a stupid choice, but, like, it's a weird... I I feel like even in the year 2000, like, I'm surprised that someone was like, yeah, this is the way to run this episode. Like, um, but that's the choice. And then I guess now, because I'll circle back and then we'll do yarns and eye rolls after this. Why do you think this episode was called Pollo Loco? She eats chicken at the beginning, but that's the only thing that I can think of. Yeah, I so the only other thing I can possibly think of as being like the metaphor that that title is supposed to work for is like the serial killer is like the pollo loco, some crazy chicken. Yeah, like just running around <laughs> acting nuts. But that would even make more sense if he was so. beheading people. Would it would, would even yeah, work it would. better? <laughs> like, or, or even if like there was yeah. I, I that's it's a good question. I don't know. I don't I I don't know that the writers knew, to be honest. Um, I don't either. I really don't think they did. Yeah. Uh so now we'll do yawns and eye rolls and then we'll uh wrap things up with final thoughts to maybe continue to reflect on like why we why this somehow doesn't work um so yawns one yawn is this was a feast for the eyes and i was like just blown away uh and totally engaged and then 10 yawns is like i struggled to keep my eyes open and this was just, yeah, like sleep fuel mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily sleep fuel, but I just like wasn't 
paying attention to it. I wasn't that engaged by it. Um, so it definitely didn't make me mad the way other things we've watched make me mad. Sometimes I feel like like, you're more engaged when you're mad. That's true. When, when, yeah, that's true. Like when, when it's kind of like I could take it or leave it, it is hard to engage. But when I, when it's, when I actively hate it, I like know a lot more about what's happening. Yeah, you re- you like re- that is probably true. You retain a lot more information about what happened. Yeah, I think that's true. I th- is that's a I feel like that's like well, maybe it's just my brain, but I feel like that's a brain thing. Like if you don't care about something that much or it seems kind of like unimportant, but if you like rage about something, like you hate <laughs> something, it sticks in your brain, right? Yeah, I you think know? so. Like, well, it's like hate watching something, right? Like, oh God! Let me talk about that. So let's see. For this one, yawns. I'll just say like five in the middle. Like it, yeah. I definitely was checking how much time was left. Like probably every ten minutes. Um, I mean, I was bored. Yeah. But it wasn't the most boring thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, I watched a movie this week that was like B-roll of like seagulls. Oh, that's right. Around. I forgot so, like, to ask this you about wasn't- that. <laughs> So, like, this wasn't as boring or weird as that, so. It's good that you had that range to compare with this week. Um, Yeah, I would agree with you. I would say a five here as well. Um, Maybe even closer to, like, a six or seven for me because, like, Mm -hmm. it just, everything felt really flat. And so even though, like, you know, it's a little long for an, a TV episode, but it's not the longest TV episode yeah. we've even ever done. So, like... Yeah. Um, yeah, but... But for what it was, it was long. Yeah, and it and as we said, like, nothing happened. And so I was just like, this is yeah pretty dull. So I couldn't believe it at some points. I was like, there's still 20 minutes of this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it, it was one of those ones where, like, genuinely, I was baffled. I was like... How have they filled so much time with so little actually having happened? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. and like, especially because the, when I think about the TV shows that we've watched that are like that, where it's a lot of, like when I get to writing the outline and then the outline is like weirdly short for the amount of time that I know it was, <laughs> usually mm-hmm. when that happens, it's because there's a lot of stuff that is like visually depicted that can't really be captured in the outline. Um, and this wasn't that either. So it's just a real, like, how did they spend all this time doing so little? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so in terms of eye rolls, one eye roll is, I guess like I bought into this world it all seemed to hang together fairly well. And 10 eye rolls is like, I I don't even know if this was a world because nothing hung together. <laughs> okay. I think this one's pretty high for this, not going to lie. Like, I, from watching it, didn't realize it was supposed to be post-apocalyptic. No, didn't I didn't that either. From this. No, me neither. As we've talked about it, we agree that... It's not even really post-apocalyptic. Correct, yeah. And so this world doesn't really make sense to me. This whole, like, 
whatever program they were in. So I'm going to say like eight. This I don't think this world makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I am also inclined to agree with you because, yeah, it, the world doesn't make sense. And, and frankly, as we've indicated and discussed, like, the thing is about science fiction and fantasy and many of these other genres, it doesn't have to make sense for the thing to work. Like, it yeah. doesn't really matter. But, like, you gotta sell whatever thing you're doing. Right. And... Yeah. And this just... You have to commit to the weird world that you right. built. And I do feel like that there was a non-committal aspect. Yes, it was very non-committal because, like, in that opening scene, I was like, that's an apartment. That's not a post-apocalyptic hovel. Like, they're living in an apartment. Right. And they're right. wearing clean clothes. And the clothes are what is... Of the time. Yeah, well, of 2000, anyway. Like, they were popular for Correct. what would have been the year 2001. And Correct. everyone's hair looked nice. And, yep. like, everyone had good makeup and stuff. And I'm like, uh, mm. there has to be some... Apocalypse who? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, there has Apocalypse to be... Apocalypse where? <laughs> some nod to something that is, like... Yeah. The, I don't know what this is, like, but... The only thing, I guess, that was, like, even nominally a nod was, like, at one point, like, Max calls Logan from a payphone. Like, that was the one thing that was, like, oh. But, like, but then I was still, like, but phones clearly still work. So, right. like, it, uh, I, I guess it's a bit inconvenient to have to use a landline, but, like... Uh, I don't. I I think that's our idea of that's our idea of the apocalypse. Oh my god, a landline! I know, no, right? I might as well yeah. die. So yeah, like that's the thing is like the world doesn't even have to make sense, and you don't even have to make that many tweaks to make it be different from the world that we know now. Like it can be relatively mm -hmm. minor, but here the tweaks were so minor that I was like, yeah. okay, if the world isn't apocalypse post-apocalyptic that's okay that's fine do right. do like the genetic stuff more and then yeah. have that be the thing or have the genetic stuff be rather mild but like the world really is post-apocalyptic so those ben those extra strengths would be really useful in some right way you know right um yeah it's a weird no man's land of People not really committing to decisions, I suppose, all yeah. across. Um, so I think I know the answer to this, but nonetheless, did you like this and would you recommend it? No, that's like a big no, no, no. Don't do <laughs> it. Um, I don't, I didn't like it. I don't recommend it. And also um, because it's not good and because it's not interesting and the world is weird, but also because of the fact that it's not really available accessible anywhere. so yeah. you you would have to go to some type of lengths and it's definitely not worth that yeah I, yeah I feel the same I I'm saddened because I had hoped for more but um <laughs> I didn't like this and I wouldn't recommend it um 
for the same reasons as you, especially the accessibility issue is like one of the main reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like if this yeah, were. Yeah, if it was something you could throw on on Amazon or something, like whatever, sure. Yeah, maybe, it, maybe it would be okay. Like, and I think if it had been, I would have been more inclined. It could be a napping show. Oh, definitely. Definitely a napping show. Like. There, I mean, they look like they're napping. That's what we're as, here for, folks. That's, that's really what, what the, we're here to we, do. <laughs> it's taken four years, but now we know that the purpose of this podcast is to identify the best napping material out there. <laughs> and, you know, we're here to bring it. Most things that we watch, great napping shows. Most yes. things we watch, I've napped at least a portion of it. So, like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're here for. We're call- the new. We're changing the name of the podcast to Napping Shows. Napping Shows, or no? It should be like Yapping About Napping Shows. That's what it. Should- <laughs> <laughs> oh. And then it gets really meta because people will nap listening to us talk about shows that, that they you can would nap-, nap to. Yes, I, yeah. I, I see the future. That is our future. Uh, writ large um but yeah I guess what I would say to wind things down is like you know the the shows that this is lumped in with like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Xena the Warrior Princess or La Femme Nikita probably watch those they're they're easily yes percent and they give you what this show so much more interesting they give you what this show tried to do but I think really didn't deliver very well so yeah on that note um we are as always very grateful and thankful that you've spent your time with us uh Mm -hmm. I am Sarah (laughs) and I'm here with Amy and we will see you next week in space Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.